Welcome to Two Guys, One Book, where two friends tackle their reading list one book at a time. Welcome back to Two Guys, One Book. Tim here. And I'm Brian. Hi, Brian. Um, so, Brian, today we're reading The Power of Lift by Melinda Gates. Why did you choose this book? Well, I hope we already read it by now. We're not reading it Oh, today. no. Well, I mean, yes. like, we're discussing it. Yes, we're discussing blah, a blah, book blah. that we read. <laughs> Yes, The Moment of Lift, How Empowering Women Changes the World by Melinda Gates. Can I say something real quick before you get into it? Okay, go ahead. I, <laughs> I, I know this will make you mad, but I think because I gave you grief for so long for yeah. not picking women authors, so you had to go like, you had to overcompensate and just go way far into like the feminist like book. Well, of course. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just think, I, I think to, it's funny. I had to do that. Because yeah. now, like, how many women authors do you have to pick in order to equal this it's not like, selection? It's not, a, it's not a quota thing. Uh, it's just, like, uh -huh. it's good to have a balance. But, uh -huh. but no, Melinda Gates, what, yeah. so why did you choose it, in your words? Um, I think I heard her talk somewhere on NPR or PBS or any of those other, you know... Three-letter. Yeah, uh, free uh, news <laughs> outlets. Um, about this book, and I thought it was interesting because I, I know I don't know much about Melinda Gates. Everyone knows about her husband Bill Gates and the founder of Microsoft and all that stuff. And then they have this foundation because they have more money than they know what to do with, and they can just spend money supporting and and any causes they want. So like, why do they choose the ones that they want to that they support? How do they do that, and what kind of efforts are they are they seeing now this wasn't so much purely about their their foundation but um it was just more of melinda gates's uh anecdotes and experiences about how the foundation can be used to help women overall in the world and how by just helping women everyone thrives mm -hmm. which i think is an excellent takeaway from the book yeah, I think that's a good yeah. summary of the message. It's that empowering women empowers society, or like benefits society as a whole, mm -hmm. and then benefits the world. Right. So, yeah. Did, how did what, what were your first impressions? Well, what did you think when when I picked? So when I picked this, you're like you rolled, you had an epic eye roll, <laughs> and you were like, here, there goes Brian picking a book. It's all feminist yeah. because I've been giving him such a hard time about not picking a woman author. So I finally, yes, <laughs> that I mean that was part of it too. Is like I knew. I mean, our fan base was just clamoring for it. <laughs> like, people were really up in arms. Oh, yes. All two of them. Yeah. Um, but no, so, like, what was your thoughts about it going into it? Did you have any preconceived I, notions? Preconceived, I don't know. Um, I don't, I didn't know a whole lot about Bill and Melinda going into it, but I have a lot of respect for them for what they're doing. And they've got a great reputation, I think, in that sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't really know what it would be about. Um, I kind of like how it was structured. She kind of talked about um, different topics of getting equality for women across the world in different uh, facets and, and how it kind of, one kind of led to the other, kind of led to another, and then how it kind of just kept snowballing or, or, you know, but in a good way. And so, yeah, I, I can just read off like the, it, she kind of starts a little intro and then talks about maternal and newborn health and then family planning and then uh, and contraceptive and, and try how people with actually able to plan for their children are better off. And then 
girls in school and how a lot of them are pulled out of school early to go to, to become brides and, and wives and when that's unfortunate and then um, all the unpaid work that women do and then chi- oh and then she talked about child marriage in a separate chapter and then women in agriculture women in the workplace and then kind of wrapping it all up at the end yeah yeah for me I thought it kind of jumped around a lot is the only critique I had is that it's a it's a bit broad to tackle like yeah. developing countries as well as the US and just all the different facets to look at mm-hmm. um, but like I said like all the respect in the world for Melinda and, and right. the foundation and everything that they do. Yeah. It's just, it's a lot to tackle and it's hard to summarize everything that they're right. doing and how to go moving forward, like the best approach. Right. And you could tell that Melinda Gates was using anecdotes from her own life about being a woman and being a woman in tech and all this stuff. And she, but she wanted to make it abundantly clear. Like, I think she had several times in there where she says like I'm not meaning by explaining my, the 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 issues I've had in my life I'm not trying to equate my issues to the issues of women elsewhere in the world and so like you can tell she's very like careful she want she wants to make sure that she's not you know she appreciates she appreciates her life of privilege and can understand that she's very fortunate and she doesn't want to come off like preachy. It's all disclaimers. Yeah. About, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's self-aware though. Yes, it to, is. It yeah. is. Well, I, I think they're an easy target. It's like, oh, yeah. oh, here are some rich people trying to change the world and right. blah, 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 blah. But right. But yeah. Did anything in here like, um, surprise you or, or shock you or were there any stories that, cause she talks a lot about specific stories of, yeah, different people that's a good question i think in general i was thinking like as a billionaire you know part of a billionaire family like you know you don't have to do anything like your life is pretty much set but like yet she's still traveling to like all these parts of the world trying to help people so like Mm -hmm. i think that's pretty awesome um i mean she like would have these direct interactions with like whether it's sex workers in india or like you know these local women in, in like tribal parts of africa and she's really just like there on the ground. It's not this like indirect funding an organization only. It's mm-hmm. it's more personal, I think, which I liked. Yeah, absolutely. And and how she stays she stayed with a few families in Africa for like a couple of days and just to get an idea of what their day to day lives are like and all that. And I think that is an interesting gives her an interesting perspective as well. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So um, what were your favorite like parts of the book? Well, like, I mean, I, I found some of the stories that she talks about uh, the various women across the world and what they have to deal with. Um, how, I think in the maternal and newborn health one, right out of the, like the second chapter, there was a story about how I think in India, newborns were not immediately like held to the mothers, had that skin-to-skin contact or weren't immediately breastfed or little, little things that like I think we take for granted in, in Western society mm-hmm. um, that um, with with medical, you know, with all the medical resources available to us in Western society that we just take for granted instead of realizing that there are villages in remote areas that are stuck in traditions um, and how the story of like a midwife, uh, the mother, the mother, a mother gave birth to a baby and the midwife uh, knew the importance of skin-to-skin t- contact, but the mother was like passed out or something, and so she, the midwife, took the baby, the newborn, to her skin and helped like revive it or something. I thought that was when everyone else around her was like, "Ooh, she, she shouldn't do that," but she did it and it worked, and everyone saw that it worked, and then it helped change the, 
the thinking in that village. Would you say they were having a midwife crisis or what? (laughs) 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 I just... If I ever hear the word midwife, I just have to make that joke. It's so stupid. How's that? I, this is a really serious bug, Brian. I, it's so inappropriate that you're laughing. It, I mean, like, yeah. It, I know it's inappropriate. No, no. I want to expand on your point because uh-huh. I think it's important. Is that there are so many cultural, like, customs and traditions. It's really hard to go in there and be like, this is the medically best course of action and they're like this is how we've done this a thousand years like you're just some like foreigner trying to tell us how to do things but it's like Mm -hmm. you have to be really um sensitive i think to the local dynamic there right absolutely and and unfortunately one of the first things that comes to my mind when you say local traditions and customs is the female genital cutting oh my god yeah and how brutal that just i mean it made me shudder just just reading about it in the book and I can't I mean like and that's the thing is like these villages have been doing it for for centuries mm-hmm. unfortunately and it I forget the exact way that they kind of got to change that thinking like they got the women together and they just they didn't try they didn't come in and say like this is wrong don't do it because then they're just then the local people are just going to recoil mm-hmm. Um, but they, they did some other, you know, more intensive, like just being there and talking to them about just daily life and then hygiene or something. And just eventually the slow, the slow progress it takes sometimes Mm -hmm. to that. You can't just throw money in a problem and, and, and help and hope it go, you know, gets solved, but you have to come up with a plan and know the local customs and cultures and come up with a. Yeah. yeah, I think the general trend for female genital like mutilation and like child marriages, like the general trend is that these things are going down, right? right? But it's still it's still a battle that they, you know, getting the local customs to change. And what I liked about this um, Melinda Gates approach with the foundation is that they sort of shifted to focus on family planning, mm-hmm. even though that wasn't the original plan. Um, <laughs> I don't even yeah, yeah. but because. Uh, because like it's once you give a woman like control over when she can have kids, then like you know that empowers them to like mm-hmm. you know they can um, have this economic freedom, they can have this personal freedom. It's just it makes a huge difference in how they live their lives. Oh yeah, yeah. and not and not just them, but their whole family. If they have more time between children, they are more they are more focused on raising each child, and each child in that family benefits from them spacing out or having control over when they have children because financially and and just entered with just mentally and physically and emotionally they're re- they're, they're ready for ne- the next child mm-hmm. and i think here's a step when women in developing countries space their births by at least 3 years each baby is almost twice as likely to survive their first year and 35% more likely to see their fifth birthday family planning and contraception contraceptives and all this other like things that go in helping family planning are looked down upon by so many people that I find that very frustrating because like I don't think that should be I mean the Catholic Church (laughs) well yeah I mean (laughs) you you have to give her credit though as someone who was raised Catholic that she sort of diverted from the church's Mm -hmm. uh, stance on all that right so like you're Catholic Mm -hmm. Do you, is that something that like 
you knew growing up that contraceptives were like frowned upon? Um, I mean, yeah, I was like, I was raised Catholic, but like they don't teach that <laughs> angle of things in the in the schools, you I, know? Yeah, not surprised. Which is like, it's silly because you got to get with like modern times, you know? And like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it just like it is what it is, mm-hmm. and. It's not just Catholicism, but, like, a lot of countries, cultures, religions all have yeah. sort of, I don't know backwards, but just, mm-hmm. like, traditional ways that right, right. could be improved. So I, I give her a lot of credit for sort of, mm-hmm. you know, going her own direction right. in this way. So one more point that we were just talking about is, um, like, with contraceptives and stuff, she talked about how it's not as simple as just handing out, like, condoms. Because, like, a lot of people gave out condoms during the AIDS crisis and, like, 80s, 90s and that sort of thing to developing countries. But it's really the cultural thing, again, where it's, like, you've got to convince people to use them. Um, some people just take it the wrong way, I guess. Right. It's, like, yeah. Yeah. It's weird because isn't it that, like, if so, if one partner asks another partner to, to use a condom, then it's, like, there's accusing them of being dirty or something in, in some that's weird, what she said weird, in the book is that yeah. that's how like local people might have interpreted yeah. it and that's unfortunate yeah because it's you're trying to just not have a baby at that right. time right but then in some cases where like the men have more power in the society they're just like well i want a child it's true and it's hard to go up against like yeah hundreds of years of mm-hmm. this is the male hierarchy like right. in that culture right and then and then it was also just i mean like because some of the some of the places had uh, birth control in shot form, uh-huh. and like women would walk all day to the nearest clinic, just and stand in line, just to hope that they had enough shots for the demand there that day. Mm-hmm. And then if, so if they don't get the shot, then they go home and they have an unwanted pregnancy, and then they have another child to take care of, and then so it, it's just is is very overwhelming to think about that like just the lack of. I mean, I, I mean that happens all the time, and, and unfortunately, that lack of medicine and medical supplies uh, to the people who want them cause uh, ultimately lower quality of life. Yeah, I think if the birth control pill was like more accessible, that could make a huge difference. Right. I also found interesting the whole unpaid work thing. Oh, okay. How yeah. how like men would go to go to the fields or go do something for work to earn income but women would have to do all these other tasks at home and like fetching water is like an hour walk and then hauling up from a well and then an hour back and so like I thought it was encouraging that they could get men to realize that the unpaid work that the women is doing at home is backbreaking at times. And they, there were instances where the men, like it would just took one husband to start going to fetch water. And other other men were giving him a hard time. And he's like, well, this is backbreaking work. This is something like a man should do this. Like he was trying to spin it, you know, and then eventually like more men were like seeing the, the, the point. And, and then they started riding their bike or something to the to the well. Then they started installing containers to catch rainwater or store that so that they wouldn't have to go as far. So it's just interesting that, that like it, sometimes it only takes one person to really get the ball rolling on something. And I think that's that was, I think another point of her book is that even small little changes, if, you, if done in the right way, mm-hmm. if you take the time to learn the cultures and the customs and then make the little changes, um, it leads to bigger things. Yeah, that's an interesting point. It's like, 
so the amount of domestic work that we wouldn't consider traditional work it doesn't really get considered or counted in a lot of instances Mm -hmm. but yeah like especially in those countries where you have to travel far to get food you have to you know clean you know you have to like do all these different things and care for like sometimes really big families like that's a lot of work and some people are just like oh no that's that doesn't count but it's like Mm -hmm. it's a lot and um it reminds me of, remember that short film we saw? I think it was in like the Oscar nominated short films, uh, the Indian documentary, those women who started making their own like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, t- uh, maxi pad. Maxi pad type things. Uh, yeah. What, is there another name for them? <laughs> you should edit this part out, right? <laughs> no. Yeah, we saw that film, uh, period, end of sentence. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that a lot. I think it connects to this book because it's it, all about it like. Won, it won best documentary short subject. Did it? Yeah. And I think it's on Netflix, too, for okay. those who want to watch yeah. it. Um, yeah, it's really good. And it's all about, like, empowering these women to, you know, create, manufacture their own. They get a machine to make their mm-hmm. own, like, things. Na- and they can... Sanitary napkins or something? Is that what they called them? Yeah, sanitary. Mm-hmm. Feminine hygiene yeah, products. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it helped in multiple ways. It, pr- it helped provide a service to the local women mm-hmm. for these cheaper products that they would all use if they were readily available and then at the same time they were made by women in the villages so that they provided them a job and a source of income and a, a feeling of contributing to their family you know resources Let's see. Yeah. okay so what I thought was a little I don't want to say forced but a little hard to fit in here was the like her personal experiences with work and like work in the states and like that sort of thing really well, like, it's hard for me to draw, like, the connection when she's talking. It just seems so different to talk about these developing countries and mm-hmm. then tie it back into your experience here. Yeah, I think I think, I think think that she was trying to make an appeal to all audiences like and realize that, yes, a lot of work needs to be done in the developing world. But also, there still needs to be steps made in America to improve the quality of life for women. And yeah. She, and, and she talked about it especially in the workplace. And I found it interesting. She talked about Uber and Susan Fowler, I think was the woman's name, who worked at Uber and was very smart and capable woman. She was never promoted and always kind of treated as a second fiddle to all the men at Uber. And so that kind of contributed to their uh yeah, publicity nightmare, and deservedly so, because Uber sounds like a terrible place to work for a woman. Well, they fired their CEO. Well, yeah, and but still. I think they've they've gotten better. Um, no, that's a good point. I think if you put it like that, like, why are these developing countries trying to develop, and what are they trying to become? And she's saying like, even here, like, we could do a lot better. Right. right. So in that sense, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Uber, I think has has come a long way. Culturally. You think so? Yeah, like, I mean, I kind of follow, like, business and tech sort of thing. And, like, they did have such a bad culture and had Mm -hmm. this backlash. So they fired their CEO, got rid of a lot of people. And um, I think it's just a little better. And they're on the stock market now. Yeah. Do you have have Uber stock? I don't know. Do you? No, not yet. I don't know. Like, like Uber, I I don't know. Where do you draw the line of, like, what companies do you invest in with on the stock market that you want to actually be good quality companies like decent I'm still not over over the whole I feel like Uber is like still up the kind of shady business stuff yeah 
Well, okay. What I would say is, and a lot of people disagree with me, but like, mm-hmm. I see some parallels between this and the dot com bubble, where it's like everyone's trying to IPO and make a bunch of money. And there mm-hmm. are a lot of differences now. And Uber mm-hmm. and Lyft have legitimate businesses compared to like, I don't know, pets.com of the <laughs> 90s. But the thing is, yeah, they, there's some shady stuff where it's like they're trying to circumvent these laws and you like not pay, give people benefits and that sort of thing. And that's how they're making a lot of money. But now, like, yeah, governments and local mm-hmm. governments are trying to fight that. Another company that I actually own, but I'm, is Amazon. Oh, you have Amazon stock. I have, yeah, I want Amazon stock. But like, still, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. I think Jeff Bezos and Bill and Melinda Gates are like on the opposite end of the spectrums, because like you got two people who have more money than they'll ever be able to spend in their lifetime, and Jeff Bezos gives like. A very small fraction of it to charity or foundations or whatever. And half to his wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, half to his wife now, yes. <laughs> and probably a good third in that Blue Origin? Or is that the Yeah, space he's trying thing? to go to space. Yeah. Him and Elon Musk. Yeah. But like, I feel like Bill and Melinda Gates are using their money for so much better. Yeah, because they're actually helping people on right. Earth. It's right. like, why do you want to go to the moon and the Mars so bad? Yeah. It's just like, space is cool, but it's like... People are like, need help here, you know? Like, what the hell? I didn't mean to poo-poo space. Brian hates I mean, space. No, I He's love... very anti-space. <laughs> no, you want to see Ad Astra. I this, do want to see Ad Astra. This show is brought to you by Stamps.com. Yeah. They took a plunge, too. But anyway, but, but no, like, so, you know, space is a fine venture. I like exploring, but you're absolutely right. Like, let's try to focus and fix the problems here on Earth. And, yeah, Bezos... He's like an Ayn Rand character. He is, you know? isn't he? You know, he's earned everything because super successful, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't know. But it's like, yeah, Bill and Melinda Gates, I feel like it's more respectable. Right. But, you know, to give Amazon some credit, they did, like, a $15 minimum wage. They have smile.amazon.com. You can donate a portion of your uh... your purchases. I mean, it's like... They're making a. They're not Walmart. I think you know, like but they're see, trying. I to, honestly think Walmart's turning things around too. Yeah. To some extent. So in general, companies mm-hmm. are trying to to do a little better. But yeah, if if Jeff Bezos acted a little more like Bill Gates, I think that would benefit right. society. Right. Absolutely. Less rocket stuff. Yeah. Right. So what? What your critique of the book was just that it just kind of felt all over the place and didn't really see how the parallels. Yeah. To to America. Well, it's like, what was her... the goal of the book? Was it just hmm. to like? Hmm. See that I agree. I think you bring up a good point. Did this book change my life? Now that's a that's a very loaded question. I mean, very. It's a. It's maybe too much to ask of a book, but I feel like sometimes a book can change a person's life. Did this book change my life? No. Did I consider my myself a feminist before? Yes. Do I consider myself a feminist now? Yes. <laughs> did you score brownie points? With... <laughs> yes, yes, I did. <laughs> it, it taught me the the good things that they're doing and the fact that um, the lengths to which they have to go to, through to get these uh, customs and, and villages and other, other countries to people from all around the world living their lives differently to try to get them to change their ways is is more like it's slower it's not anything that you can just 
expect to change overnight. You can't come to the people and just say, hey, you should, that's wrong. Do it this way and expect them to say, okay. You know, um, I enjoyed the anecdotes she had from around the world, India and Africa and all these other women that genuinely want more out of life. It's not like they're going, walking two hours to go fetch water and, you know, working in the field all day because they like it. It's, it's what they have to do to survive. And when she talks about these women that have hopes and dreams for other things, I find that very encouraging that they're not, that women are unfortunately bounded, bound by their circumstances in these poor countries and villages, but still have hope, even if it's not anymore for them, it's hope for their children. And that's, I think, was a big thing that helped convince some some mothers to be more careful in their family planning and, and make sure girls go to school and not marry them off when they're 13 because you want a better life for your child like everyone does. And that's a good foundation to build a life on. So on one hand, it's sad that, that those are some circumstances where people live. But on the other hand, it's good that Melinda and Bill Gates are in the world to help do something about it. Yeah. Give them yeah. some, give them a lot of credit. Yeah. I think going off that, like, it almost felt to me this could be two or three books. Like, you could have the book about, you know, your own experience and the um, American workplace. I'm sure she has tons of things. Like, I enjoy those chapter, that chapter, that section. I think there's a lot more she could say about that. She's had an interesting background, like in computer science, working for Microsoft, that sort of thing. Um, and then you've got. The personal anecdotes, these people she's met in India, Africa, all these different places. And then you've got the actual strategic, like, foundation elements. And I know they do, like, maybe a yearly letter, some annual report type thing. If you, if for people who actually wanted to get into, like, the really detailed, like, elements of it, like, what are they doing, why are they doing it, how are they doing it, I think for that audience, you can have that a little bit more analytical approach. But it's hard when you mix everything, when you try to do your own personal, the analytical, and the personal anecdotes. Like, some people might like it. For me, it feels a little, like, spread too thin. It becomes a little generalized, I guess. I see what, I, I mean, I, I understand your point. I think Melinda Gates probably would not want to write three books. <laughs> well. I feel like this is this is what she wants to, she wants to, she, I think she views it as she should make it a series like Harry Potter, like a seven book, <laughs> like order of the. All right, sorry, yeah. go ahead. She views it as what? Oh, well, she. I think she views all these things intertwined. What the foundation is doing to help all these people and all the stories that she hears and has seen firsthand in all these other countries, and then she recalls her own life and experiences. And I think that's. I think that's the, her point is like, it's all kind of like, it is kind of all intertwined to some extent, but like, I thought, I thought it was a pretty easy read. It wasn't super long of a book, so I don't think it's gonna like, I don't know, I think splitting it up would just get into the weeds too much and, and I don't know. It just, it felt a little jarring to me to go from like female genital mutilation to like, you know, her job as a computer science manager, sure. marketing person. Sure. But that's, that's just my opinion. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah. I think it's a good, it's not a bad book. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do, is it too early to do ratings or do you want, oh. do you have more? Well. Let's, let's keep going. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Really a few quotes, a few quotes. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, but, but first let's talk about like, is there, a, uh, are there any female figures in your life, Tim, that have made an impact on you? 
<laughs> You're asking a lot of questions today. I am. Yeah, it's very nice. Because I'm trying to stir more more conversation. Dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I hope. Because like I feel like I mean I can let you think about it if you want. Yeah, you go ahead. You go first. Because I feel like I have an older sister. Mm-hmm. There was a, my sister was born first, then my brother, then me. And I always, you know, you look up to your older siblings. I looked up to my older brother, sure. But there was my sister who was eight years older. There was that, that, there was enough of a, like, my brother was two and a half years older. So, like, we all would always, like, just bicker and, and, and tease each other and, and play around and whatnot. But my sister was, like, eight years older. So there was that, there was that distance that made it more like she was always in a different phase of her life. You know, she was independent. Uh, thought for herself went to college you know that's what women do and and live on her own and do her own thing and and so I've always I've always had her to look up to to kind of set an example of not just what a woman should be but like I just looked at her as like that's what I have to look forward to next in my life like as because you know in eight years I'll be going to college in eight years I'll be you know, looking, looking for work and getting a job. And, you know, and so it just, I guess that kind of gave me the, the vision of looking at her as an adult, not, not a female. So I guess maybe that helped spark in me uh, my feminist uh, view on a lot of things. And also, I am an empathetic person by nature. So I feel that like, Women are half the population, more than half the population now by a fraction, and, and they should be able to have all the same opportunities as men have. And I think today, in, in this day and age, that, you know, same thing for minorities. I, am for, I, can, I know how fortunate I am to be a white male, and I hope that there will be a day that it will all be equal. But Just racking up the brownie points. I, right I now. mean, like, okay. I mean, like, so yeah, sure. I mean, you know, like, but like, that's generally what I you think. Don't like, I don't sound guilty enough. What, what's that? You don't sound guilty enough. I mean, that's just it. Like, I'm, I'm born with inherent guilt too. You're like inherent sex guilt. being a white man. Yeah, I mean, it just, yeah. So I would say that yes, I feel like my sister was a good example of that led me on the path of just viewing women as complete equals all the time. Yeah, it sounds like she was a really important role yes. model for you. Right. Not just as a woman, as a person. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I look up to my mom and sister and everything. They've been in my life. Yeah. And I think, yeah, having good connections with, like, female family members as well as friends will make a big difference in your outlook. Right. And that's what kind of ties into what Melinda Gates is saying is, like, it all comes down to empathy. Mm-hmm. Like, when you were talking about how the husbands in these countries they couldn't really understand how much work their wives were doing because they never actually did it or they didn't think about it so when you see it from their perspective and like you start to have more empathy and then that's kind of how equality happens and i thought it was interesting how in one part of the book oh here we go all right a 2010 academic study on group intelligence found that the collective intelligence of a work group is correlated to three factors the average social sensitivity of the group members, the group's ability to take turns contributing, and the proportion of females in the group. Groups that included at least one woman outperformed all male groups in collective intelligence tests, and group intelligence was more strongly correlated to gender diversity than to the IQs of the individual team members. Gender diversity is not just good for women, it's good for anyone who wants results. And I found, I completely agree with that because I found that in my career and in civil engineering, 
I have found that when I enjoy having women engineers involved because I feel like that does just help round out the whole group and just helps everybody involved. Yeah, I think you mentioned something like this before is yes. that I think, and I have female coworkers as well that I enjoy working with. I think in general is that, and this is just like a small sample size, like our two teams, but mm-hmm. is that it's easier to maybe communicate, like better communication yeah. skills than the average guy in, <laughs> in our experience, not yes. to say across yes. the board. Right, right. But, of um, <laughs> disclaimer. And, um, and yeah, maybe a big thing, and I see this a lot at work, is like egos with, uh, with guys. It's like a lot of guys, I mean, I'm sure you've seen this, is like, and like I'm sure I can, you know, fall victim to this as well, but a lot of guys can be very proud and have these blind spots and they don't want to admit they're wrong. Mm-hmm they have trouble seeing other people's perspectives and it's just kind of toxic in like a business environment or any kind of work environment because it's all about understanding where everyone's coming from and how like what's the best course of action to move forward oh i agree yes and another thing i i think that women remember better like remember what they said and what was told to them whereas where i i know that there are some coworkers of mine that i love them to death but but the guy, the men that I go to them a week later and to talk to them about something that they told me last week and they totally forget it. It's like your girlfriend remembers mistakes you made <laughs> like years and years ago. Tim, I don't make any mistakes <laughs> in my relationship. All right. Thank you very much. And that's the male ego for you. Yeah, and there you go. <laughs> All right. So I, got, I, I just have a few more quotes. Yeah, go for All it. All right. So this was like in the very, very opening part of the book. Being a feminist means believing that every woman should be able to use her voice and pursue pursue her potential and that women and men should all work together to take down the barriers and end the biases that still hold women back. That's the, I think, the takeaway of this book. is The crux of the book. The the what? The crux of the book. The crux of the book, yeah. If a woman speaks up in public for the value of contraceptives in a health plan, some misogynist male voices will try to shame her, saying... I'm not going to subsidize some woman's sex life. Shaming women for their sexuality is a standard tactic for drowning out the voices of women who want to decide whether and when to have children. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder, so do you know when this book was published? Was it? I think it was just this year or last year. Okay. It was, yeah. I wonder to what extent, like, the current administration inspired her to publish it. Because she did mention it a fair, like, not a ton, but like, you know, a not insignificant amount and I think tying into like family like birth control in the United States it's like yeah the whole aspect of shaming people just because they're trying to like you know be healthy and plan their lives out it's like kind of crazy I know I think it's completely absurd just looking at it financially and the and what's best for society wouldn't you want a woman to only get pregnant when she wants to be pregnant that that's what boggles my mind is like no we don't want to give women contraceptives because they shouldn't be having sex at all I mean unless it's with their husband and it should be for procreation I know uh, that's probably where the, where the Catholic uh, you know thing comes in but like regardless like I think it's just out of, out of touch out of date it's just totally preposterous yeah. I think you look at it objectively what's best for society is women who want to be mothers be able to be mothers when they want to be mothers and women who don't want to be mothers or don't want to be mothers right now not have get pregnant it's not it's that simple and contraceptives are the 
best way to do right. it. Don't give me this well, abstinence. It's a, it's a controversial topic. It is, but I don't. You see, that's that's I think what irks me the most is I do not see why it's controversial. It's it's controversial because it's evolving sex, and we don't want to talk about sex as a society. Okay, so. Playing the devil's advocate. Go ahead. You think... I like the devil's advocate, by the way. <laughs> oh, you like me. <laughs> oh, I just like... You like the devil, oh, Brian. Oh, <laughs> Go on. Brian Tim. likes the devil. And uh, so basically, like, from an... Imagine you're, like, an old religious traditional person, and you hear that tax dollars are funding this, these contraceptives, birth control stuff, so it's like you're subsidizing someone with the, like... A hyper like sex life that's maybe irresponsible on the verge of irresponsible i i'm i'm playing devil's advocate i know i don't agree with it i know i'm just saying then i would say to that person why is viagra covered in <laughs> is in, it covered i think it is <laughs> you're like i've heard no i'm, I'm pretty Brian sure uses viagra. i'm pretty sure it is i can't say definitively 100 <laughs> percent because i don't want you're this like, to be blue por- cross blue shield played back <laughs> So I can't say 100% that definitive, but I'm pretty sure I heard that Viagra and, and, and boner pills are covered by some insurances, but contraceptives are not. Okay, so just so we don't dwell on this too long, yeah, it's it's an issue that we could go down a big rabbit hole yes, politically. Very big, very big rabbit hole. But the biggest takeaway is that we're both feminists. Okay, <laughs> move on. You're the devil. Next. <laughs> Ryan uses Viagra. <laughs> I well, I felt I felt like throughout the whole book, Melinda Gates was too hard on herself. Because uh-huh, so. because she kept talking about, well, first of all, she made clear to you know, to articulate that her problems do not equate to the problems of other people in the other countries, but she kept saying things like, like sometimes when I'm in the middle of the work, even when I think I know what I'm doing. I find that I really don't have a deep understanding of the forces at play until after the action is over. So I, I, I took that to kind of be like, I think some other tones that she felt like she was going out to all these different countries. She was visiting all these people and all these uh, third world environments. And then like something would happen and, and like she, they would try to tackle a problem a certain way. And then it turned out that it would be this, these other forces are at work like for women in agriculture, they had to, all the men, the women that worked in the fields and planted the seeds and harvested the crops and all that were not involved in the planning and the decision-making process when it comes to actually new types of seeds. All, it was all men in those countries. and But the women were the ones doing the work and they never got the input of the woman. And so like they had to tackle it in various ways. And one way they... They helped women in agriculture was playing how to grow crops over the radio, but they had to figure out what time would women would be able to listen to the radio and not have it be dominated by the men in their life. And so it was like all these little different things they don't even think about. But like to, to my bigger point is I feel like Melinda Gates kind of expects to go into places and like be able to learn and adapt and then solve them. And I, and I think like, she, you know, like she's she's tackling problems all over the world, and it's the individual. Like each place has their own little idiosyncrasies, and so it's, and so like when she would think that she has a problem licked, something else would come up. But 
than like some local or somebody who know who works in the country that is their life's work and helping this one specific country comes up with a solution. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm not articulating what I want to say quite right. It's like, I feel like Melinda Gates is spread over all these countries on multiple continents all over the world. Mm -hmm. And she wants to solve all these problems that she can. But she's finding that for each little problem, there's a, there's a trick to it. And each local, there's a lo someone local that, keeps educating her on something new or some th something she never thought of before. Well, she spread herself all over, you know, like she's almost spread herself too thin. Of course, the people that live there and work there year in, year out are going to be the ones that will help you, you know, guide your, guide your, your way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like she expects to, like, get it all. I don't know. That, I made the point earlier. She spread herself too thin. Well, I said that was a good You were words. talking about, like... Actually, the writing, writing the, the book. book. Yes. Yeah, but there's... I'm talking about like she. I, I think she genuinely feels like she should be able to. They should uh, be able to solve all these problems. Yeah. But and then she's she's sideswiped when a new when something new or something out of the left field comes and makes a big difference when the local leaders are the ones that you know help her out and I don't know. She's got that Catholic guilt pretty strong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She no, does. I I do give her a lot of credit for. Yeah. Her. Like, so many people could just pay lip service, but she's actually doing stuff. But I think what you said is an interesting point, um, that the common pattern in these different countries and these different issues is that there is not a common pattern, <laughs> if that makes sense. Right. Because there are so many nuances with the local culture, the history, the politics, the government. Right. Um, so the common pattern is that you need to know the um, the locals and the situation and the context before you get too involved. Right. I think that's sort yeah. of a big takeaway. I think that's a good good way of putting it, that there are no common problems in all these problems around the world. There's, there's no like commonalities. Elements, there's, it's, it's sure, yes, there are some... Nuances yes, to it. correct. Yeah. All right. So I'll just say this is my last question. I have one more or, thing, though, yeah, before yeah. we go. Um, it reminded me that, uh, or this is like another point I thought mm -hmm. of, was that I like that she talked about her relationship with Bill a little bit. Yeah. And... I know I just complained that it was a little bit of a broad book, but like, it's interesting to hear someone who married such a powerful man and talk about trying to achieve equality in that relationship. Um, so, you know, like I just give her credit for being like transparent and being like vulnerable about that. Being like, it, it's not easy to marry like the richest man yeah. and try to like, you know, have an equal dynamic there. One thing I, one anecdote I really liked from their lives was when they, when it was time for their kids to start going to school, Mm -hmm. and they found this other school that they really wanted their kid to go to, but it was like, it was be a longer drive from where they lived, and Bill was like, oh, I'll take, I'll take the kid to school. And she's like, you will? And he's like, yeah. And so he started taking their kid to school, and then one day when she goes to the school, she notices that there's a lot more dads taking their kids to school. Yeah. And she talks to one of the moms, is like, what's up with all the dads bringing their kids to school? And they're like, well, when all the moms saw Bill Gates was bringing his own kid to school, they went home and told their husbands that Bill Gates brings his own child to school. Yeah, that's a great story. I feel like that, is very that good. illustrates like the example of how like change yeah. happens, right? Yeah, oh, it just absolutely. starts with like individuals, and mm -hmm. once you see one person doing a different way, then mm -hmm. you can yeah, right. I know, and, and and even simple things like the husband going to fetch water in some of these villages. It's just so, it's like, it's not, it doesn't even enter their 
mind as the for something to do. It's, it's just totally foreign to them. Mm-hmm. You can't, and it's something you just can't just say like you go do this. It, it, you go through these exercises of role playing and and having them switch roles for a day or something and see like have the men understand how much work the woman does and then change happens. I mean that's just it. Like I think I think like genuinely people will recognize and do what's best once they acknowledge uh once you get them to like just break out of their routine Mm -hmm. i agree so i got one more quote yeah go for it every society says its outsiders are the problem but the outsiders are not the problem the urge to create outsiders is the problem overcoming that urge is our greatest challenge and our greatest promise it will take courage and insight because the people we push to the margins are the ones who trigger in us the feelings we're afraid of. That's good. Now she was talking about women, of course, but I think she also was talking about anybody. Well, anyone who's like different, disenfranchised, yeah. yeah, and different from us, yeah. The the epilogue was really great. That's yeah. from the epilogue. I think so. It's yeah, because um, she talks all about how it's yeah, it's like connection is really the key. It's like. We need more equality for women, like equal opportunities, um, because empowering them helps benefit societies, but also just in general, connection and empathy and understanding like what someone's feeling in their situation, especially if you're in a position of power. I think it's easy to get like, um, you just feel separate. It's hard to relate to someone who's struggling because you're just in an entirely different world. So you have to really like mentally put yourself there. It's not an easy thing to do. So yeah. Rating time? Yeah. Uh, zero out of five. Zero out of five. Like, yeah. yeah. What do you, what do you, what do you give it? Oh, no, that's your rating? Uh, I, thought you, I thought you were saying a range, zero to five. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, four out of... Well, I was between three and a four. Uh-huh. Like, book-wise, I think it's a three, but message-wise, I think it's a four. Um, so I give it a four. All right, cool. I'm giving it a four, too. Every yeah. time you copy Not me. Every you you should have wrote it down. No, Tim. I don't copy you all the time. What was our last book? We, we you put you you rated it a four. I rated it a three. Last one, didn't I? Didn't uh, yeah, I think it was different. Yeah. No, you were ready to say four. I was. I was. I was. But we will write it down yeah. next time. <laughs> no, it, so four because yes. it was good, but it could have been better if. Yes. Oh, it could have been better if. I think, I. I guess I would have enjoyed a little more concrete direction for the future. Yeah. I know I love empathy. I love connectedness. I love, you know, <laughs> human beings, you know, that kind of thing. Like I mean like I, 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 I as much as the epilogue was nice, but it was it was a little more it was a little more like touchy feely and I guess I yeah. wanted I mean I like touchy feely, but You should read their annual reports for the Foundation. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> it's what you want. Let's be real. No, I agree with you completely. It okay. could have had a little more specific. Here's what's happening. Here's what we're yeah. doing. That sort of thing. But yes, but Bill and Melinda keep doing the great work. Oh, tons Absolutely. of respect. Yeah, you know, big fans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously. If you need somebody to survey in Africa or India, I guess I could do that. Maybe there's like you know doctors without borders, like ah. surveyors without borders. <laughs> no, that surveyors have borders. borders. <laughs> that feels like a t-shirt. Like, <laughs> we don't have. I don't know. Never mind. Yeah. I totally lost it. It'll come to you. All right. So what are we reading next, Tim? The Bible. Again. <laughs> I always say it. 
that your that's, go-to answer? No, that's my first. What are your next? I don't remember. The Mura... Oh, Murakami book? Murakami, yes. The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle. Yeah. Which I've read a few of his books. Oh, um, you have? I've read two. I tried to read it. Third... IQ24 or whatever? No, or not that one. That's a long one. Yeah. This one's long, too, though. 600 pages. Is it really? Yeah. You know what? But we haven't read anything quite like it. So I think it's a good change of pace. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. it's mm-hmm. a Japanese author. Mm-hmm. It's fiction but it's not like Mm sci-fi i think it'll be interesting okay we'll see so uh yeah yeah so until all right go to our website twoguyswonebook.com comment on this episode link or comment on upcoming show links uh or whatever to to let us know what you think so we can ultimately we want to include your comments in these episodes uh if we can so there's a lot out there it's we can't guarantee we're gonna fit it in (laughs) because There are just so many comments. And you'll see them when you go to our website. Yeah. Yeah. So many. Until next time. (laughs) Keep reading. Keep reading. Or listening to audiobooks, because that's fine, too. (laughs) I'll say keep listening for now. Oh, man.